buying behavior has changed. Prospects don't click on links and emails anymore, and they don't watch the videos you spend hours creating every week. Instead, send personalized gifts and memes using Vidyu. You can quickly create engaging, personalized content that immediately grabs your prospect's attention, helps you stand out in the inbox, and does it all without forcing them to click anything or go anywhere. Head over to vidyou.io slash salescast to sign up for free and spend less time getting your messages across and more time selling. In the world of sales, you either sink, swim, or break through to the next level. My name's Colin Mitchell, and this is Sales Transformation, a new kind of sales show designed to bring you through the epic, life-changing moments of elite sellers so you can experience your own sales transformation. Hey, before we start today's episode, I wanted to bring you in on the best kept secret in B2B sales. If you're serious about social selling and your only strategy is cold DMs through LinkedIn, you're missing the mark big time. Learn how a fully managed revenue generating podcast can change your life and your pipeline at salescast.co. All right. Welcome to another episode of Sales Transformation. I'm very excited today to have AJ Bruno on. He's the CEO and co-founder over at Quotapath. After successfully exiting his first company in 2019, he co-founded Quotapath alongside with his co-founders, in addition to investing in dozens of startups and serving as a mentor to many more. AJ acts as a board member for Philly Startup Leaders and is an alumni of the Dream It Ventures. Outside of startup life, he can also be found spending time with his three daughters. AJ, welcome to the show. Colin, thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm excited to dig into your story here a little bit and uh, talk about the topics that we have uh, planned out that we planned, you know, like 30 seconds ago. It's the way we, that's the way we do it. (laughs) We roll here. (laughs) Yeah, we don't like you to (laughs) over-prepare. No problem, done. I'm ready to go. Um, so just take us back, you know, where did your, you know, professional sales journey start? Wow. Uh, if you, if you really, if you ask me off the top, I'd actually say when I was probably four or five years old, and this isn't like an entrepreneurial, like slinging magazines or newspapers on the street. Um, I actually got my professional career started in acting. Um, so I was a stage actor, uh, for, for years. I did a lot of Shakespearean theater, Midsummer Night's Dream. Um, and I acted on stage in Pittsburgh where I grew up uh, and um, professional theater. So there were my eighth grade year, I missed the entire year and had actually a tutor because I was doing eight shows a week for uh, about 24 weeks. And then I obviously had rehearsal and all of the things that surround that. Um, so that's that's where I got my quote unquote sales career. I didn't think of it at that time, but so many of the skills and what I've learned and thought about and how I present and storytell really started in those very early formative years of uh, me being on stage. Wow. Yeah. I mean, storytelling is, is a huge superpower for sellers. When did you sort of connect the dots of like those skills that you acquired through acting, um, could be utilized in, in your professional sales career? 
Yeah, not until like 20 years later, unfortunately. <laughs> you know, the other thing with sailors is like, sometimes they're not the quickest or sharpest tools. And I uh, uh, I was definitely- I can contest to that like, from my oh, own experience. Yeah, it's like, oh, wait, storytelling's important? Oh, wait, wasn't I an actor when I was younger? Um, the 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 answer to your previous question on the real sales standpoint, I, I had my first job out of, out of school in 2007. So I graduated from Penn State and I was thinking about what I wanted to do as a career and, and how I wanted to think about um, my, my first job. I had a couple internship opportunities uh, with some consulting companies that I wasn't super interested. I actually interned at NFL Films, which was a pretty cool uh, gig, but I didn't want to get into production. I was I had had enough of like the the, the through stage of behind the camera work, and that just wasn't uh, yeah. quite interesting. And my dad's a pilot. I also wanted to fly airplanes, uh, but I never wanted to be a professional uh, pilot. I didn't want to work for the, the airline, so I just wanted to do it on the side as a fun uh, for fun. And so I was talking to an uncle about like, what should I do? Like, I did, he was very successful in business. And I told him that I someday wanted to own my own company. And he gave me advice at that very moment that changed how I thought about the world, which he said, sales. And at that very moment in 2006, 2007, and what was going on in the world, sales was not this illustrious career and certainly not a career that someone right out of school thought about. You definitely didn't have classes around it. Uh, even at a school like Penn State, no one talked about it. Marketing was all they really talked about or finance. That's how I was in, in, at Penn State. It was finance, not finance, finance. And Sounds so fancy. Fancy. It seems fancy and it was too fancy for me. I like, you needed like a 3.7 GPA to get into uh, finance and I was not a finance major. So (laughs) take that what you will. But uh, he said sales. Sales will give you that background, that skill set and learning how to operate a business. There is nothing closer to running a company than learning how revenue works at an organization. I was like, and that clicked. And I was like, oh, you're right. Uh, so I jumped into like the first thing I could, which was this company called Meltwater. Um, and away I went in Philadelphia, this 12 person office and just the old classic pick up the phone book and elbow grease and start making some cold calls and we don't have a CRM. So you'll figure it out on your own. uh, Oh, wow. Sounds not too far off from my first sales experience, but I'm just curious, you know, given that it was your uncle and he was successful in business, obviously his opinion, um, you know, held some weight for you, but was there a moment where you were like, what the heck are you talking about? Like, I just finished school. You want me to get into sales? Like, why the heck would I do that? Yeah. I mean, as I said, I wasn't the sharpest tool. So I was more about just interviewing and getting a job. So that question didn't come up until I was like six months into the job already. I'm like, (laughs) what the heck am I doing with my life? (laughs) And I would, I walked, I had this hour and a half commute I was in uh, Pottstown, Pennsylvania, outside Philadelphia in Chester County, We're living with my parents still because I was making $35,000 base and an OT on target earnings of 70K. Uh, and so I would drive 30 minutes to the train station, take the hour train in, and then get get into the office at 8 a.m. I Every free moment I had, I was prospecting and finding new leads. So when you were actually in the seat, it was the same. I mean, we all know this. It was calling hours. So you're like 8 to 6 p.m. And I couldn't leave before 6 p.m. Uh, in fact, there was a there was an express train that left it at 6.03. And if I left at 5.57, I could make the express train. And my boss at the time wouldn't let me do that. Wow. Um, 
the world's Things changed, have a, little changed bit, a little bit since then. A little <laughs> bit, a little bit. I don't think I don't think I'd have a single per- person uh, in working with me or for me if I had instituted a role like that. But you know what? It, I learned um, a lot, and I or the six months in, I was struggling a little bit, and I came home and I was like, ah, oh. to my now wife, my girlfriend at the time, like. And I don't think this is for me. This just sucks. This is miserable. I'm cold calling people. I'm getting hung up on so many door knocking rejections and they tell you how much fun it is, but this doesn't feel, this doesn't feel like business. This doesn't feel like I can start my own company. Um, and, uh, you know, fast forward six months later and I had gone through a little bit of a transformation myself. I had actually decided that I was going to leave, but ended up not leaving because my boss, same boss who wouldn't let me leave until six, was like, look, let's just come to go to this summer kickoff. You'll see the entire company. There's 12 other offices in the US and North America, and you'll see all the other people. And it was fun. He was right. I And I finally started to click. I finally started to get through to, to my brain that storytelling was a thing. Mm. And then I should actually... Uh, have confidence and then I could do this, that I could close deals and close consistent deals. Um, and, and that just like snowballed in my career. And, and, you know, 12 years later, I haven't really looked back, but lots happened in those 12 years. Wow. So it, it sounds like it was, I mean, from struggling and questioning whether it's from you for you and almost leaving that job to then, you know, going to that, you know, kickoff and then sort of having some success Sounds like it was really just a mindset shift for you. That's all it was. It was a mindset shift. And that was something that learned even later. Uh, So the really big transformation for me was when I wanted to start my own company and didn't really know how. And I was fairly successful. My wife and I were living in San Diego. I was running the San Diego office for that company five years uh, after I had joined. Um, And I got a lot of sales, great sales background, but I just felt like something was missing. Uh, and so my my manager at the time took us all to go see Tony Robbins. And I, I didn't know who Tony Robbins was. Like, Tony Robbins, who the hell? Is that guy, that's a guy from Shallow Hal with Jack Black and <laughs> Altro, right? Like, yeah. that's, that's who Tony Robbins is. So I uh, went to this thing, not expecting a lot, but the mindset shift piece of it is what stuck with me. They're like, kind of the make your move, free your stress. Like, there, there's a lot of things that he has on positive affirmations that shifted my mind and said, you know what? All these limiting beliefs, I don't have enough money. I'm not old enough. I don't have the right education to start my own company. It's all bullshit. Like, I'm going to go do this. And so in 2012, uh, I made the the shift into to founding a company and um, and I ran the sales team at that company as well. But 100% right. Sales is definitely about that mindset mindset shift. Yeah, yeah. What a big difference. And then you stayed with that company for quite some time and and worked your way up to to leadership, right? Well, so the Melwater, I worked my way up to to leadership from individual contributor yeah. to sales manager to managing director and then director of that uh, that whole office. I ran the the uh, Philadelphia office and then the San Diego office. Um, at Trendkite, the company I founded, I was founder and president. So I, I started the the entire company and from zero to 25 million in ARR, about four years, I ran that sales team. And that sales team grew to about 120 people. And that was all uh, inside and we promoted within. So at the, at the you know, end of the day, the first eight sellers that I hired and promoted, uh, they were all either sales leaders, the senior sellers two years later, and or the managers and directors of the of the company. Wow. Okay. And so how do you think that your experience at Meltwater helped you, you know, be prepared to then start your own company and grow at such a fast pace? 
I didn't know what I didn't know. Um, and so at the time I looked at it as Meltwater, is this, this, that, this is just what normal companies do. All companies just happen to be called Meltwater and are Norwegian or Swedish or whatever and have this strange culture where Moro and I respect are the thing. And the CEO jumps up on stage while electronic music pumps in every year. Like I thought that was like how companies just ran. <laughs> um, and so I didn't know that there was a whole different world of, uh, of, well, honestly, technology and some level of efficiency and automation that could exist. I didn't know CRMs were a thing. I didn't use Salesforce until 2013 when I went off to start my own company. I did, marketing and email automation were actually fairly new, uh, mm -hmm. funny enough, at that point. Um, you had Yesware and ToutApp is like kind of the first in on those. And so I um, really garnered a lot of experience by being curious and by like trying to, to hone my craft of not just a seller, or a teacher or a mentor, but also in just like understanding how the world works and how different business models work. Meltwater gave us visibility to those things that we didn't, I, I now know that wasn't actually true for other companies. Uh, so when I went to build a sales team, it was actually quite easy. It was, it was like, here's, here's the different pieces to it. Here's what we need to hire. Here's the quota capacity model. Uh, here's how we should think about that flowing through. And here's our headcount planning. And that was a really easy conversation to have with the board. Uh, mm -hmm. And I didn't, I didn't realize it, even though I was just a director at, um, at Meltwater, it, it shaped my view because I was the, like the person in that office, even though it was like only like 13 person office, I was the person everyone relied to uh, and had, had to understand. So like I was able to build that model based off of my experiences there. And then from there, I just like did a lot of reading and outside reading and continued to like up level and and we just continue to kick the can down the road of like well when are we going to bring in a vp of sales not now not now not now and then mm. four and a half years later we're like okay well aj we got to here we are at 25 crossing to 30 million and we're about to get sold so like that, that probably lasted long enough it was good work yeah yeah so and, and i mean i think that being able to sell or build a sales team is like the number one skill that somebody on the founding team should have. I'm a you know big believer in that. Um, and it sounds like it worked out well for you. Uh, I'm curious, you know, people who are maybe questioning or, you know, don't necessarily have that level of experience. What do you think are some common mistakes or traps that, you know, first time founders fall into um, that you were able to maybe avoid? They always want to outsource sales. That's the first thing. <laughs> This is anyone can do sales. Any any idiot with a with a phone can do sales. And like, yeah, I mean, you might have that quote unquote idiot, but I like I no, sales is a craft. Sales is something you yeah. have to train on for years and years and years. And there's different sec. Like I think that that's the thing. It's like you take a, a elite athlete in basketball and you try to put them on the baseball field. What do you get? You get Michael Jordan. And like. That just doesn't work, right? It's, yeah. Sales is actually very similar. People don't truly, as a first-time founder, as you're scaling a team, you don't understand the nuanced difference between enterprise or transactional or mid-market or different industries or or any of those things. You just think like, oh, you could just like pick up the phone and say, hey, yeah. you want to buy this. Yeah, you ask them, you know, who's your ideal customer profile? And they're like, well... Anybody that writes us a check. <laughs> yeah. Anyone, any person, you can go out on the street and just say they, they will be a customer of ours. I'm like, is that really? That's not how ICP works or personas or markets or any of the things. Right. That's a that's a common uh, misconception from a lot of first-time founders. They think everybody's their customer. 
Yeah, I mean, I think they're smarter than that at this point in the game, but I think it's it goes a level deeper. It's like, okay, I know that not everyone's my customer, but I can say anyone that is uh anyone that has a sales team of 100. I'm like, well, is that true? What technologies are they using? Are they using HubSpot or are they using Salesforce? Are they an enterprise team or are they a small transactional team? Is the sales leader running commissions or sales ops, rev ops running commissions or is finance running commissions? Those are all different types of companies. And those are things that we think about and talk about all the time. And we we talked about since day one of like different personas, different problems. Ideal customer profile. Yeah. You have to hone that. And so that's the second mistake is like, once you've decided those things that 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 won't change, well, of course they're going to change. The market changes, competition changes. Uh, you change, of course you change your company. You're even just dealing with people, right? Like even exact two types of people with personas, different personality types care about different things. Yeah. You know, unfortunately for me, I found out the personality type early that I, I really (laughs) built great relationships with, with, was higher ed with universities and um, nonprofits as well. And boy, does it suck selling sometimes to no, I mean, it just selling into them is a challenge because it's always like a Lots like of, eight level yeah. conversation, which has helped hone my uh, background and skill set for like, well, I started my career in recession. I sell to like these but these companies that where boards cut budgets all the time. So I like remember some of those things. Uh, and whether we go through that or not now it remains to be seen. But like that sticks with you for a long time throughout your entire career. I remember those days. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, you've dealt with, you know, selling in uncertain times, right? So what are some things that you learned during that time period that you think, you know, may be relevant here in the the near future? Well, knowing your buyer, I mean, I think we've talked about that. I think that that's a very, very important one. And I think the company needs to know their buyer and the company needs to talk out loud about who their buyer is and has their buyer changed. Uh, understanding how messaging and those those relationships as a seller, they haven't gone away. In fact, if anything, they're going to get more important now. Uh, that that relationship between the the vendor and the the, the buyer is, is pretty like lockstep in some instances. Uh, the product and how the product interacts with the teams and the companies and the users. Um, so we're built for sales teams. So you know, we deploy to sales teams. And that's important. We have to have that that relationship and understanding with how sales teams are using us, how they're forecasting deals, how they're thinking about earnings, thinking about their goals and their quotas. How does that change? Um, we have to flip. Uh, we already do this today, but like as companies need to flip to more of a solution sell of like th- not asking like what are your business goals because like everybody gets that, but how are you thinking about the outcomes of how you're using our products and our tools? And how that relates and lines up with what you're you're thinking about this quarter, not this year, not this like first six months of the year. And I would actually say like this month, right? Not this mm-hmm. quarter, but this month, uh, and how they're they're working towards their objectives and how those have changed and what are they hearing and um, just being really in tune and asking questions, continuing to have that challenger sell mentality. And really, really diving into it and just going a layer deeper with your your customers. Yeah, yeah. And so, when did uh, when did you get the idea for Quota Path? What what was the reason for starting Quota Path? I mean, Colin, this is a really easy one. Have you ever been paid incorrectly oh, uh, yeah. from a commission check? 
Yeah. Yeah. I feel like you say, oh, yeah, it's like, oh, that's just a way of life. We just get used to getting Yeah, exactly. But what other career is that okay? Like, where is the hell? Is that okay just to get screwed over? <laughs> uh, nowhere. Um, nowhere. Maybe the, maybe the government. The government could do it. Right. But, and, and then, I mean, and then to add like an extra layer of complexity to it. I mean, sometimes comp plans are so confusing. Reps don't even know like how they're going to get paid or what they're even, hand in hand. what they've sometimes. even earned. Sometimes I think like 80 to 90% of the time they can be confusing. So that though you just talked about the two very strong value props on how we think about it. One is as a seller, you have a compensation plan. You need to understand it. Like just <laughs> full stop. You should understand it. Yeah. The second is you should get paid correctly. Um, and so in 2018, when I was thinking about uh, next company and what we're going to work on, we had we had a bunch of reps come up to us and say, hey, my spreadsheet doesn't match your spreadsheet. I was like, oh, this is stupid. Why are we like looking at different things? And uh, it caused so much heartache and, and challenge. And um, honestly, it just felt like spreadsheet or spreadsheet software for uh, for these tools or professional services, and they were very expensive. That doesn't make any sense. This should yeah. be pretty easy to use, should be understood. Uh, and that like hit me really hard building sales team. So took the point of view of the sales team should first and foremost understand it. And then we'll build the management capacity and then the VP of sales and then the sales ops, rev ops, finance, accounting, all the way through so that it's this end-to-end -end experience so that everyone is on the same page. Um, and four years into the business, we we officially launched at the beginning of last year, end of 2020. Um, and we have over 400 customers today because it's it's like, it's very easy to, I just like literally said, hey, have you ever been paid? And you're like, yeah. Like, does that suck? <laughs> like, yeah. You Do you not want that to happen? Yeah. I'm like, cool. All right, check out QuotaPath. <laughs> like, it's pretty easy. Yeah. And I, and I know even from my own experience, it's super simple to set up like oh, it's easy. Simple. I mean, you don't have to really know that much about technology or be savvy. Like it's super easy to install and just like start using it right away. We ask yes, no questions. Like, do you have a quota? Yes. Is it measured in ARR? Yeah, sure. Or is it measured in bookings? Like it's a very turbo tax for, for sales comp experience where hopefully you're getting money back at the end end of it. That's like how I easily can explain it uh, as well. And we we live and prescribe ourselves by this idea of product-led growth, which is yeah. just investing heavily in the product and continuing to think through the integrations um, and what that end-to-end -end experience looks like. Uh, about a third of our team is product and engineering, which is not typical for uh, wow. SaaS B2B companies. That's incredible. So what are some new, uh, exciting things to potentially look forward to with CodaPath? Oh, well, the, the thing that you mentioned at the beginning of this is like compensation and how I should start my sales team and how I should build the yeah. comp compensation plans. Uh, we have some pretty exciting things that are coming up in that bucket so that as founders or new leaders to, to new brand new go-to-market teams, new roles, uh, uh, helping them understand and like the real numbers that their their comp plan should look like and not just in terms of market but in terms of like scenario modeling for their actual company and organization um, are some of the exciting things that we're working on and do you have any like cool stories right that you could share as far as like you know um 
I don't know, time, money saved, you know, from people who have installed and started using Quota Oh, well, I think the, 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 one of the greatest, uh, I mean, we get these stories all the time. We have this uh, Good Vibes channel, and every day we have new customer testimonies. But one of the really interesting ones was uh, a few months ago, um, one of our CS, someone on our CS team was helping on an onboarding and was going through an account. And we have this goals, uh, goals page where they can set up their goals. And so basically they can forecast their earnings to see how much, how, what percentage they're going to get. And one of the sales reps had put in as their goal that they wanted to pay off their grandfather's mortgage. And oh, wow. that's really cool to see that and kind of see how that is. So we tracked that to see how they progressed. And then when they actually did it, we sent them uh, a gift uh, afterwards. So it was just really great. And like, that was that I love. And that makes its way back to the company. Uh, of course, at some level, we didn't actually have to do that. But like, that's, that's the thing that I ultimately think about, especially in this, the uncertainty that you talked about. And if you're a seller, you're like, oh, is the sales team going to get laid off? Are we not going to get laid off? Um, and at the end of the day, like, if if I know my comp plan, that's one thing. But if I feel secure in my environment and I have these strong goals and I'm working with my manager and my team knows how much I value that, that's a whole different ballgame. And you you literally can't quantify. I mean, you can on an ROI. You're like, you absolutely can. So the time savings and efficiency, sure. Yes, that's a checkoff. But that's what we really, really uh, to the heart, talk to the heart of for the sales team is that that goals and achievement piece of it. Yeah, that's a really cool feature. I love that. Well, AJ, it's been awesome having you on. Really appreciate it. Enjoyed learning a little bit more of your story. Any final thoughts and where's the best place for people to get into your world? Uh, LinkedIn is still still the absolutely best place. I run a I run a series called Value Props where I fly around the country and interview sales yeah. leaders in the cockpit of my airplane, which is fun. I'm on season two. Um, so you can always find me in a cockpit somewhere. Uh, but other than that, I send me a personal note on LinkedIn and I'm I'm 99.9% sure I'll respond if it's a personal note uh, because I, I otherwise it gets missed, but uh, I'll make sure to respond there. So make sure it's a personal note. <laughs> a, very personal, a personal note. Yes. That references. Just say it just one more time. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, awesome. Thanks so much, AJ. Really appreciate it. We'll include the links there uh, in the show notes for everybody. If you enjoyed today's episode, please write us a review, share the show with your friends. It really does help us out. And we're always listening for your feedback. You can go to salestransformation.fm, give us some feedback and we will get back to you. Hey, you stuck around. That tells me you're serious about your own sales transformation. If you're tired of doing things the old way and want to get started in your journey with other people on the same path, head over to salescast.community and crush your numbers on your leaderboard. Yeah, it's free. Salescast.community. Send me a DM with your best pitch and mention this ad, and I might even give you free access to our best templates.